0: Welcome to Long Story Short, sponsored by the Kirkpatrick Foundation. I'm Ted Struley, the Executive Director at Oklahoma Watch. We're a statewide nonprofit news organization that specializes in investigative reporting. You're listening to our weekly podcast, which lets you hear directly from our journalists as they provide deeper insight into their recently published stories. In this segment of Long Story Short, I'm with reporter Paul Monies. Paul covers state agencies and public health for Oklahoma Watch. He wrote about why the Republican-led state legislature voted itself into special session over federal coronavirus relief money under the American Rescue Plan Act and economic development incentives. Paul, what happened last week and why was it a surprise to many Capitol observers?
1: Yes, this came in the second to last week of the regular session. Um, they're supposed to wrap up work by, uh, on Friday um, by 5 p.m. But last week they had unveiled uh, Republican leaders unveiled a 9.7 billion spending bill uh, and they were working towards that. And then uh, Wednesday we started hearing some rumblings about a possible special session to deal with these ARPA money from the federal government.
0: Hasn't the legislature already been working on improving some of the federal relief funds?
1: That's right. Uh, Almost a year ago, the legislature itself formed a a joint committee um, to deal with the pandemic funds, and so that involved the House and the Senate. They've had several working groups that have gone and evaluated applications and have put that process in place, and so far they've uh, approved a couple of projects last December, um, and they were looking at some more this spring as well.
0: Now, Paul, you've written previously about how the relief funds processes is kind of like a shadow budget right but with with even less transparency than the annual budget at the legislature which always seems to be kind of this this cloaked process uh, what do you mean by a shadow budget?
1: Yeah, so the state has $1.87 billion to spend from the federal government under this round of federal pandemic relief. Um, Now, obviously, they've got the joint committee. They've received half of that money already in a a large chunk, uh, about $935 million. Uh, But so far, applications have been filed. They had a portal that was open online for for project submissions that got more than uh, probably 1,400 um, projects, amounting to almost $18 billion in funding. But only the governor's people and the top budget writers know what exactly projects and funds were applied for. The rest of it is kind of secret. And um, that's, that's kind of you know a lot of money to be putting out the door, uh, similar to a budget every year as well.
0: Now, Oklahoma Watch has been asking about those uh, applications for the ARPA funds for quite a while. Uh, fill us
1: in on that. That's right. We first started looking at some of the applications from the health department having to do with their public health lab and the pandemic center that's up in Stillwater that are doing and is still in progress. Um, the health department said we had to go talk to another agency called OMES, the Management, Management Enterprise Services, who denied our, our, our records request for those applications for that particular project. And we went back and asked for all of them. They denied that again. They're basically calling every single project application uh, as part of one giant bid, and they they send it secret under the Open Records Act, and of course, we don't agree, and have filed a lawsuit last month, um, and that's still kind of in the early stages right now.
0: Well, getting back to the special session, how are leaders in the House and Senate structuring the special session as the regular session is still going?
1: So what they're doing now is making it more like a, their actual budget process now. So they have filed um, a host of shell bills last week. Uh, that basically means that there's not much there, but they have placeholder um, amounts for funds to be expended later. What they're doing is putting that through the normal process. They're giving it readings and, and um, through each house, uh, each chamber, and then they're sending it over and amending it, and then they're sending it back over and going to reject those amendments to keep those bills alive in this special session. And so that means they can uh, take care of some business – last week and this week, and then come back at a later date uh, to, to finalize those bills.
0: What else can those lawmakers consider uh, during a special session?
1: Well, so far, they've already said that they're gonna look at uh, a couple of funding bills that had to do with the major economic development incentives in, in this year's, uh, on, in the budget for next year. That includes um, something called Project Ocean, which is thought to be to attract a Panasonic for a battery plant somewhere in Northeast Oklahoma. Um, that's $690 million they've set aside um, for that, and then there's another 250 million dollars uh, that they're they're planning to to spend on rural economic development. Those two things are also included in the call as special session.
0: And what did the governor have to say about the special session?
1: Well, um, the governor was was just very appreciative. Basically, put out a press release saying that um, that he was glad that they're continue to work on this process and are willing to work through the summer even. Um, He did kind of warn them that he, he he wants generational impact projects before him and not projects that are basically at the will of special interests or lobbyists.
0: How long can the special session go?
1: Well, it can actually go until um, the end of the, the legislative session, so that's legislature side. So that means it can go all the way through this year. Now, they don't think it's going to go that long. They're going to meet occasionally. Of course, it costs money to meet, so they have to have staff and, and security there as well. Uh, so they may, may, may meet a couple more times this year on that special session specifically unless they add more issues to it. But it has to be wrapped up, obviously, by the time people are sworn in for the next legislature too.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Paul. Uh, You can read Paul's coverage of uh, the legislative special session and all his other investigative work at OklahomaWatch.org. In this segment of Long Story Short, I'm with reporter Whitney Bryan, who covers Uh, Vulnerable Populations for Oklahoma Watch. That topic has uh, led her to a number of stories covering domestic violence. And in a recent story, she caught us up on a statewide nonprofit, the Oklahoma Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, that is supposed to help and support victims but is currently under the microscope of the federal government. Whitney, why is the federal government interested in the Oklahoma Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault?
2: Well, Ted, back in 2020, some employees of the nonprofit um, wrote in to the federal government as whistleblowers to say that they felt the money that the nonprofit had received from the feds was not being used as it should. It wasn't being tracked well. It was very disorganized, and they were really concerned about the use of that public
0: money. What did they do during the audit? What did the auditors find?
2: So during the audit, the auditors discovered that the employees were right. Um, The money that was being spent, and they were specifically looking at about $886,000, which is a a couple of grants that they had been given. Uh, They found that that money had either been used on expenses it shouldn't have been, such as travel, you know, kind of vacations for the executive director and board members, Or some of the money was being used properly for things like, you know, staff payroll and training, things that should have been. But that money was not being tracked properly. So they didn't have invoices, documentation, receipts and that kind of thing.
0: So uh, what was the money supposed to be used for?
2: Yeah, the money is intended to support abuse victims and advocates who help them across the state. So the idea is that this coalition supports shelters and crisis centers that support victims. So they provide things like training for advocates, uh, emergency relief funding. Uh, They do a lot of promotion in terms of creating awareness around the issues of domestic violence in Oklahoma. And they also lobby the legislature to change policy to help victims.
0: So this was public money. it was intended to support domestic abuse victims and the shelters that helped them. But the coalition's director was spending it on vacations for herself and for board members. And when she was using the money for victim services, she wasn't keeping track of it appropriately. So now the feds are scrutinizing all that spending to determine if the nonprofit needs to repay any of it or if they should be able to uh, get more public money in the future.
2: Exactly. That's right.
0: Okay. Um, what changes have been made in response to the audit?
2: So after the audit, uh, began the organization made quite a few changes. Firstly, they fired the director who was being scrutinized and, and who was spending that money over several years. Um, several staff members also left on their own accord. Um, and then same with, with board members. There were several board members who also left the organization. Um, of course, those folks should have been overseeing what the director was doing. So we have uh, currently there's a an associate director. She is the only only staff member who was there at the nonprofit during this audit who remains at the organization. So she's taken over as associate director, and there's basically a brand new board who's creating a lot of policy changes around looking into the financials on a more regular basis.
0: Do we have a sense of what sort of penalties uh, the coalition might face?
2: You know, we know what could happen. Uh, What we're being told is that they could have to repay uh, some of that money or all of that money that that was found to be misspent. Um, They could be, you know, temporarily or permanently banned from receiving future funds. However, that's looking a lot less likely at this point because in the past year since the audit was released, the nonprofit has received $1.5 million in new grant money. So it seems that the feds are, are trusting the organization with funds despite what the audit found.
0: So how are they spending this new pot of money?
2: So I went to a board uh, board meeting recently for the nonprofit and the associate director, um, she did a report on what they had been doing with the money. She says they've been spending it on training for advocates. They've held several online training sessions um, to certify victim advocates across the state. They hosted a retreat um, for their member organizations so that shelter directors and advocates who work at crisis centers around the state um, and then they're also spending some money on getting new staff in there to replace the folks who left.
0: So, what what's next?
2: Well, it's kind of a waiting game at this point. Right now, the feds are still scrutinizing that money. Uh, The Office on Violence Against Women is looking at basically every expenditure of that $886,000. So they're going through and, and looking at any documentation that might support those funds and how they were spent, where that documentation is missing, and then deciding did that expense fit into the grant guidelines. So once that process is finished, then they'll be able to hand down any penalties or consequences as a result of how that money was spent. So we're just waiting for them to do that. But I'm hearing it could be another year before we really hear the final results.
0: All right. Thanks, Whitney. You can uh, read all of Whitney Bryan's coverage of this story and all her other investigative work on our website, OklahomaWatch.org. In this segment of Long Story Short, we're with Jennifer Palmer, who covers education for Oklahoma Watch. In her latest story, a collaboration with The Frontier, she revealed the organization's bankrolling secretary of education, Ryan Walters, nonprofit as part of a months long project investigating the governor's coronavirus relief programs for education. Jennifer, what led you to this particular story?
3: This story came out of a previous investigation that we published a couple of weeks ago about the digital wallet program that the Stit administration created with the federal co- coronavirus relief funds. And in that story, we found that Walters, Ryan Walters, the secretary of education, was very involved in uh, setting up this program which had a lot of problems, a lot of unauthorized spending and is now facing an audit by the federal government.
0: Now, uh Walter's uh, as we mentioned is the executive director of a nonprofit. How much does he earn uh, as the head of Every Kid Counts Oklahoma?
3: We found that he earns a salary of at least $120,000 as executive director for the nonprofit. He also collects a salary as Secretary of Education, and that's at least $40,000. That's new. That position previously was unpaid, but now he does collect that salary.
0: And he's a teacher, right? So uh, is that $140,000 or rather $160,000 or more? Is that on top of his teacher's pay?
3: He actually teaches a class online and does it on a volunteer basis. He's unpaid as a teacher. Okay.
0: So what organizations are funding Every Kid Counts Oklahoma and and what do we know about them?
3: We found a couple of big big names, well-known organizations that contribute to Every Kid Counts Oklahoma. The biggest one in uh, that we found was the Walton Family Foundation. They gave over $100,000 in Every Kid Counts's first year, which was 2020. We also found a smaller donation from a uh, organization called Yes Every Kid, and that's part of the um, the Koch brothers' uh, giving strategy.
0: Okay, so let's take the Walton Family Foundation. They've given more than a billion dollars uh, of their fortune to educated related uh, organizations. What kind of school programs do they support, and and why?
3: One of the main things that the Walton Family Foundation supports is charter schools. They've given lots and lots of money to um, open new charter schools, expand charter schools, and also um, pay for buildings, like for charter schools that are just opening. They don't talk about their giving strategy too much, but I did find an article where um, they said that that is – part of what they see uh, as helping kids, especially in urban communities, underprivileged kids, low-income kids, giving them additional opportunities. But it's also part of this market-based strategy where schools, when faced with competition, they expect schools to either improve or lose students and ultimately close if they can't compete.
0: Now, how did you gather that info? Did you get it from public records?
3: The Every Kid Counts Oklahoma, the nonprofit, does have um, some public records. Their annual tax form is public, and we did get that. Um, it had some salary information, but it because it was 2020, the year they formed, it was minimal. Uh, it was only for a couple of months, so it wasn't a full-year salary. We also got some internal documents that showed his um, contract.
0: Okay. Okay. Um- Why do you think the public needs to know uh, how much Ryan Walters is earning?
3: It's an important question because he's a public servant. And just like lawmakers or elected officials, we expect um, these folks to be um, serving the public. And in particular, in this case, the kids and students of Oklahoma. And so you know, who's paying his bills is a factor in who he's really working for.
0: Does his salary and where it comes from, uh, does that break any rules?
3: We talked to a couple of ethics experts for this story. Um, One of them said that, you know, anything that even raises the appearance of a conflict of interest could be a problem. The ethics rules don't prohibit, Um, appointed officials from having outside employment, but there are some, um, you know, restrictions on whether they can take employment that, you know, basically if they were paid extra because they're an elected official or anything like that, we didn't find any evidence of that.
0: All right. How did the governor's office respond to the story?
3: Um, the governor's spokesman, spokeswoman, gave us a, a written statement. Basically, said it's not uncommon or unheard of for cabinet secretaries to have outside employment. Of course, this was previously an unpaid position, so that makes sense. Um, she said that they had no concerns about any potential conflict with Walters's job at Echo.
0: Now, uh, just remember the job at Echo. Um, you mentioned it was their first fiscal year, so. Uh, was this kind of a brand-new nonprofit, and Walters is the first CEO and and has a, a, a salary of, what, at least 120000
3: Right. So he was tapped to lead a previous nonprofit um, out of the state chamber called Oklahoma Achieves. He was selected as the executive director, and shortly after they dissolved that nonprofit and kind of re- you know, renewed it as a new nonprofit called Every Kid Counts Oklahoma. And he is the first executive director of that organization.
0: And how did uh, Secretary Walters respond to the story?
3: You know, he has yet to um, take us up on our requests to sit down for an interview. He hasn't answered any of our questions. Um, Still hoping he will decide to do that at some point.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Uh, You can read uh, Jennifer's coverage of uh, the Secretary of Education and his nonprofit and his earnings and all her other investigative work at oklahomawatch.org. You've been listening to Long Story Short, a weekly podcast that helps you get deeper into the investigative stories reported by Oklahoma Watch, which you can find on the web at oklahomawatch.org. This podcast was made possible by a grant from the Kirkpatrick Foundation, for which we're grateful. For Oklahoma Watch, I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening. Oklahoma Watch is a nonpartisan, nonprofit news organization. That means that we rely on readers and listeners like you to help fund the important work that Oklahoma Watch does throughout the state. We're in the middle of our spring fundraising campaign. If you enjoy the work we do, if you feel as though you benefit from it, and the state of Oklahoma benefits from what we do, please take a moment to visit our website and make any contribution. that you're comfortable with, $5 a month, $10 a month. Whatever's comfortable for you will help keep this important work going. Visit our donations page at oklahomawatch.org.